Well, hello and welcome to Spring Lake Church this weekend. We're excited that you're with us because we are launching into a brand new series. Now, if you know how we tend to operate as a church, many times we will take a book of the Bible, or in this case, a letter, and really dive into what did the author mean when he was writing it? What did it mean to the people then? What does it mean to us today? And then how do we approach this book moving forward? What does it look like for the future? And as we talk about the letter and the book that we're going to look at today and, and over the next couple of months, it's one that we approach with anticipation and at the same time, intrepidation. The letter we're going to be talking about is the letter that John wrote, we know as the Revelation. Now, if you'll notice, it's Revelation singular, not plural. There's no S on the end because it is one vision, one revelation that God gives to John. I'm going to start by reading Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Now, as I read these words, part of me feels like I need to read it like with almost a movie voice, because as you know, with Revelation, if you've read any of it, it's this kind of far-fetched picture if you're not familiar with some of the symbolism or terminology. And you read, and it's this vision that Jesus gives to someone on an island. Let me give you a little bit of background to what uh, the book of Revelation is. First of all, Revelation is an epistle, which is another word for a letter. The author's name is John. John spent a lot of time with Jesus. John was one of his apostles. John also was exiled to an island called Patmos. Now, the Romans used to use Patmos to exile prisoners to or troublemakers to, and John is sent there in AD 95 by the Roman Empire Emperor uh, Titus Flavius Dominicius. You can name your child that. Uh, he's sent there, and you can Google Patmos. It's still there today. It still has the same name. Looks a little different, but they even know pretty much where the cave was, where John would have hid out, where he wrote a lot of this. It's been turned into a travel destination, a chapel, a church as well. It's all still in place. While John is on this island, Jesus gives him this vision. And this vision is to the churches that exist. Revelation has a narrative flow, kind of a storyline approach to the letter. So as you listen and we connect the dots week by week, you're going to hear how this letter unfolds. It is what's called an apocalyptic literary form. Big word. What apocalyptic means is to reveal. So we tend to hear apocalypse now or apocalypse movies like dealing with the end of time and they all seem disastrous. But when we look at the apocalypse as a whole, when we look at apocalyptic literally uh, literature, it literally means to reveal. So at the end of every episode of Chip and Joanna's show, they could literally say, this is the apocalyptic moment. I don't know that it would have the same grab that, that what they say now does, but it's the same idea. It's something that's been hidden, that's about to be revealed. It sounds easy. It sounds kind of 
practical to understand until you start getting into what's in the book of the Revelation. There are beasts with weird numbers of heads and horns. There's dragons on the sea and in the land. There are babies that step on the head of the dragon. There are marks on people's bodies that actually mean something. There's a strange phenomenon at one point where a third of the ocean turns into blood. And we don't get a full explanation of everything. You know, I can read Paul. And Paul says, logically, here's the theology. I can listen to Jesus' teachings. And even his teachings that were um, more symbolic in nature or had hidden meaning, Jesus would later go back and explain. I can read Peter. Peter would get a little bit more uh, temperamental about it or a little more passionate. But you can read Peter and know where he's going. You read the Revelation And sometimes you just stop and go, I got no clue. And that's why we want to do this series. And I'll tell you this too. If I were to talk to 10 different pastors from 10 different denominations, godly people, I'm not talking about someone out in left field, there would be differences of interpretation with probably most everyone. So as we go through this book and you hear it and you go, that's not what my favorite Bible teacher says. There's different ways of looking at some of the symbolism, and yet we stay true to the meaning of the book. As the teaching team, we were discussing this, and it was became kind of a joke that there are some people that when they hear this, they're not going to be thrilled. And we started saying, hmm, I wonder if we're going to need a new campus once we finish with Revelation, or how many people are going to be ticked off. I think as we talk through this, you're going to get the bigger picture, and hopefully it will bring some things to light. Some people, as they read Revelation, they only see it as the future. Some people, as they read Revelation, they only see it as the past. Others, as they read through it, they read through the symbols, and they try and pull out every nook and cranny, like every meaning that could possibly be with any symbol. And other people completely ignore the symbols. And really, you can't take any of those approaches in and of itself. As we go through this series, and I'm going to explain this at the end of the message, but as we go through this series, we're going to give you a chance to interact with not only the passage and the book, but also with the teaching team. And like I said, I'll spell that out a little more at the end. I also want us, before I get into really the heart of what I want to talk about today, I want us to remember this. As we go through Revelation, there is a clear message in it that we are blessed. Is it always easy? No. But we're blessed. And Revelation is a book of blessing. In that first portion of scripture I read, there is a blessing to those who read it, and there's a blessing to those who listen. We're going to cover those blessings in a moment. There's also something else I want you to remember as we take away uh, at the end of this book when we finish the study. We know who wins. And it is very clear at the end of this letter who wins. I'm not going to spoil or alert everything at this moment, but I will at the end of the message. So hang in there. There's a few things that whether you're just starting to read Revelation or this is multiple times in it, when you come out the other side of this study or as we're going through the study, there's a few things I want you to hold on to. And I'm going to cover those as really the introductory message. Here's the first thing I want you to remember. We might not understand everything in this letter, but we can absolutely understand the main thing in this letter. We may not understand everything we're reading, and it may lead to some discussion and dialogue, but you can understand the main points of what John wants us to get. A lot of people skip this book because of this very point. 
This very reason. It can be hard to grasp the understanding of each little individual thing, but we want to back out from that and we want to see what we can understand. We think if we think it's only for the future and we don't think it counts today, we're wrong. There's persecution through the book of the Revelation that not many people, and let's be real, not many Americans want to hear about. There's seven letters that are a part of the overall letter of Revelation that I can promise you will have something for everyone. It speaks directly to the church as a, as a body of Christ and as individuals. It speaks in a way that I think gets in our kitchen and makes us look in the mirror. All through the book of Revelation, it is clear that this is being written to the, to the uh, suffering and the complacent. Those who are being persecuted for being followers of Jesus. Those whose lives are on the line themselves and their family. And as well, those who just get numb to the whole message. The challenge is to stay awake and alert to what God is doing and Christ's return. There's almost this cosmic dualism. There's this divide within the book. And it's a very clear question of which side are you on? It's very black and white that there's no middle ground. We're on the side with Christ and we're living with him and for him or we're not. While some of the book is tough to follow, the overall themes are there and understandable for the ages. Here's the second thing I want you to take away. Understand that there is a lot of symbolism and it shows up in many ways. I'm going to ask you to hold tight as we go through some of this symbolism because we will dig in and we will explain. But at the same time, there are some pieces where it may be tough and we may have to, to give us several options. But these symbols don't just happen in a writing form. When John is on this island, as he's put out there in exile, John's not just seeing this like, like he's looking in a book and flipping a page. This is more real to John than than uh, many experiences we have in life. This is more real than an online game or throwing on a VR headset. It envelops him. And we need to see this and we need to read the symbolism and see it creatively. See it more than as just 2D paper, but see it as John did as something he experienced personally. And I would say this too, as it comes to these symbols, we've got to be careful and I would say move on from a very unhealthy fascination, borderline obsession with what some of these symbols are to the future and to a calendar. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. And yet we keep having faces pop up and voices speak out that they figured it out. They've got to figure it out what the dates and the creatures and everything in Revelation are. And it makes for great book sales. But it makes for horrible history because they've all been wrong. Revelation is actually less about when Jesus will return and more about what we are to do, who we are to be, and what we can expect to endure as we wait for Jesus to return to establish his kingdom. It's less about the date and more about our lives. It's less about the calendar and more about the church. When we read Revelation 19, every symbol is with Christ and is about his victory. We know that. So we look at that and we remember the bigger picture of it. We'll be clarifying, like I said, we'll be trying to clarify the visions and symbols and what the original readers would have known these symbols to mean. 
Remember, John starts out with saying, reading this and hearing it, there's a blessing. So for those who it was originally written to, what would this blessing have looked like? What would they have understood? We want to unpack that in this series. And remember this, when you read the Bible, when there's apocalyptic writing or, or uh, symbolic prophecy, it is not about usually, it's not always about future events. It's a call by God to the church to get right. We're going to see that throughout the book of Revelation as well. As we read these symbols, we don't read them literally. We read them symbolically and remember what they are. Number three, the third takeaway with this or the third thing to remember in this series is we need to understand that this is the culmination of the Bible. This is the end. This is the exclamation mark on everything written in all 66 books of Scripture. It all boils down to what happens in Revelation and the end of the story. So when we read it, I want to encourage you, remember Old Testament, New Testament, uh, the imagery, the allusions and references in Revelation. Uh, they may seem freaky. They may seem weird, but this is the end game. The storyline is going somewhere. Remember, it's a narrative and the storyline is going somewhere. Like I said, I'm not going to tell you the final score until the end of the message, but I will tell you who wins. We need to understand that and live it out. We need to understand that in the storyline of what we're living out, it's not easy. And there is persecution and there is battle and there is struggle. It's promised to us. And we're promised blessing. This is a movement through time. And we need to remember this as we study and we look at Revelation. Here's number four. I won't spend a lot of time on this one because I think it'll, it'll play itself out in the series. But we need to understand how the book is organized. Revelation has so much that is written and then so much that is, I would say, unwritten but understood to the early readers. Let me give you one example. Seven, the number seven. We hear that and we don't think much about it, but it plays heavily into the storyline, into the narrative. Seven is the number scripturally of perfection or completion. So when we see John use the number seven, we understand that he's trying to say something. When he talks about the seven-day Sabbath cycle of the Old Testament, it plays into the book of Revelation when he talks about the seven churches or the seven seals or the seven trumpets or the seven great signs or the seven bowls of wrath or the seven messages of final judgment and the seven last things. All of these, as we see Revelation and read and understand how it's laid out and why, and we look at not only the symbolism, but the purpose behind it, I hope it helps the entire book come together. Just the number seven is used 53 times in Revelation. And I think we're a little bit blinded if we, if we miss when something is mentioned 53 times why it's there. We want to unpack that in this series. And as I mentioned, we'll, we'll go more into that as we open the book up. Number five, it's important to see all of this world, uh, it's important to see all of this world and the next from a heavenly perspective. It's important to see all of this world and the next from a heavenly perspective. This book should point us toward eternity. Not just the moment, but eternity. One author said, Revelation is very ethical. 
It's very ethical. The goal is to be so heavenly minded that we are earthly good. We should have such an eye on eternity and how this is playing out and what happens at the end of the book that it changes the way we deal with people. It changes the way that we ethically handle business and finances and relationships and and, uh, issues dealing with code of ethics. It should affect every aspect of our life, not just in the moment, but with eternity in mind. We read Revelation and we see Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And it should open our eyes and our mind toward what's to come and not just toward what's right now. Toward what's to come in eternity and not what's just to come in the moment. Revelation, if we look at it, if we take it like a puzzle, it can be very easy to get stuck on individual puzzles. And there are books written on individual puzzles. You're going to find books written on the dragon. You're going to find books written on the beast. You're going to find books written on the woman. You're going to find books written on the seven churches. And each one of those is an individual puzzle piece. And each of those puzzle pieces is needed to get the whole puzzle. But if we get stuck on the one puzzle piece, we miss the big picture of the whole puzzle. The revelation is the puzzle. It is the fulfillment of all of the Old and New Testament coming together that when the original readers read it, their thought was, oh, now it makes sense. Now we see where this thing is headed. My prayer is that as we walk through this book, as we walk through this letter, we do it with a bigger puzzle in mind and not just individual pieces. Here's what I would say. I would say to those who get stuck on puzzle pieces, Stop hyper-focusing on the dragon and the beast and focus on the lamb. Because as we get to the end of Revelation, the dragon and the beast are gone. But when we get to the end of Revelation, the lamb rules supreme. Let's remember that as we read this book, we read it with eternity in mind. Number six, and I've mentioned this already, I've mentioned it multiple times, but there's blessing in Revelation. I know so many people who read Revelation fearfully, the dreams they have that they think are are apocalyptic or or revelation-driven, it's all fearful. And the movies that are made are always with the darkest place in mind. But Revelation is full of blessing. There are seven blessings in Revelation that I want to read now because I want to set the tone to not go to the dark places and the individual puzzle pieces that are, that are ominous and scary, but, but remember the blessing of it. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter one, verse three. I, I read this already. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, what is meant because the time is near. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. It says, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor, from their deeds, uh, for their deeds will follow them. Even in what seems like a dark moment, the writer of Revelation is telling us, see the blessing in it. Revelation 16 and verse 15. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. There's a blessing in being aware of what God is doing. There's a blessing in living and being ready for the one who's going to return for us. Revelation 19 and verse 9. 
Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. There is a meal, a phenomenal meal that we're going to talk about in Revelation. The marriage supper of the Lamb, the wedding supper of the Lamb. And there's a blessing for all those who are invited. We'll cover that. I'm excited about this. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Revelation 22 verse 7. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning and blessed are those who have lived out his word through all the challenges and trials and tribulation that we're going to see in Revelation from back then as they would have understand it. And as we understand what's going on today, there's a blessing. There's a blessing in being ready for his return. The last one, Revelation 22, 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may be, uh, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into that city. Those who will enjoy heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. We'll cover all of that in the series. Here's the last thing I want you to know and remember throughout this book, no matter how ominous it may get, no matter how fearful some people make this sound, remember this, two words, we win. There's your spoiler alert. We win. Jesus is king The lamb that we'll talk about is placed on the throne. He's on the throne as king. And the elders are around him and all of creation worships and glorifies him. We win. We're on his team. Don't ever lose sight of that. Don't ever lose hope in that fact. I'm going to challenge you to hold on to these as we go through this book. Now, I want to cover a few things that are going to be unique to Revelation, some things we're excited about to make it more interactive with the the congregation as a whole. Those of you who maybe only join us online right now, first of all, I'd enjoy you and invite you into the space. We'd love to have you join us in person. But if you're online, there are ways you can interact as well. First of all, let's go to what Spring Lake's bread and butter is, our life groups. Our life groups are going to be studying this stuff intentionally. There's going to be things that we kind of pull out of the message for time's sake. It's hard to cover everything in a 30-minute window that we are going to be sending to the life groups. Some questions and some information that will be specifically talked about there. We're also going to be having a follow-up video and podcast. So we're releasing a video follow-up with the preaching pastors every Monday afternoon to clarify and go more in depth of what we talked about the previous week. As I I mentioned, there are different ways to view some of these things, and that's where we'll unpack it because we feel like we have more of an opportunity to cause less confusion. This Monday is going to have an all-new format. It's designed to dig deeper into the message and bring greater clarity into the scripture. Now, let me talk about this. This is where the Q&A will happen with the book of Revelation. Spring Lakers will have the opportunity um, to submit questions on our website or through social media throughout the week and in person on Sunday. Or uh, we will answer individually or follow up through these videos. But we don't want to throw this out there and just leave you, honestly, maybe more confused based on what you've been taught before. 
We want this to be an opportunity for there to be a dialogue on the scriptures and talk about it from a historical perspective, from a, a, a look to the future perspective, and what different authors and church history has said about each of these topics. These are going to be available on YouTube. It's also going to be released, as I mentioned, as an audio podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to it however you listen to podcasts. There will be a link to the week in the weekly follow-up. If you're not on our newsletter, uh, I'd encourage you to get that because there's a link that will be provided to be able to send in questions as well as interact with the message. And of course, like I mentioned, in our life groups, the study guides will be available. I'm excited as we head into this series because this is a series, this is a book that a lot of people will dodge. Let's be honest, many of you have read and, and I've read it And in places you go, what in the world is he trying to say? And none of us open our Bibles going, I want to open this to get confused. We go to the scriptures looking for clarity. We go looking for God to speak to us. And I am a firm believer that revelation equips us for just that. When we read it and we listen to what the Spirit is saying, we understand what the writer was writing to the congregation, to the audience then, it can speak life to us today. Would you join me in prayer? as we close the message. Father, I thank you for your word. And as a church, we stand firmly that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we look at this apocalyptic book, as we look at this letter of the revelation which you gave to John while he was on trial, while he was being persecuted, speaking to a church who was under so much duress, Lord, I pray that we're able to read and pull the truth that's for us today as well. God, I pray that the challenge in this isn't to get stuck on individual puzzle pieces, but to see the bigger piece of the puzzle and to remember in the end, you win. Therefore, we win. We look forward to the day, God, of seeing you face to face. We look forward to the day of the new heavens and the new earth where everything that was your plan from the beginning sees its fulfillment through your plan of the cross. And those of us who have surrendered to Christ, who have recognized who you are, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, we we enjoy and we celebrate that eternity with you forever. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.